0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah! How many love the desert heat today? I didn't love the desert heat today. <laughs> I'm saying that David, Jesus, is going to have a mild summer for the desert. It's our first year at Newberry Springs, and uh, I don't know about Barstow. David, Newberry Springs got hot. Oh well, praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be here. It's not as hot as hell, is it? And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why missions again. This is going to be the last one. We do this on a Sunday morning. Sometime, but I want to look at it tonight, and I want to stir all of us about being conscious of the people around us and why we want to support missions. But first of all, a couple of things I need to talk about too. Don't forget your pledge card. This is the back half. Matter of fact, this is... The one I filled out for me and Mrs. Pastor, we got on here, our pledge for the year, signed our name to it. So you'll keep the cardboard copy you've got, and you'll keep, and you'll turn this into the offering Sunday. So bring your missions offering Sunday, and bring this in Sunday, turn that in, then we'll be all started for the new missions year. And then also, on the, uh, heating air conditioning unit for over in Victory Hall, I think probably, Julie's not here, but I think that, uh, something like, Six or seven thousands come in out of the 8,100, so we're doing really good. So all of you still have your pledges to come, bring them in Sunday. If you've got it, bring it in, and we'll get that in there. Katie worked with the air conditioning people today, I think it was, and things are scheduled for the first week of May. Amen. And so praise the Lord, no more hot victory, uh, except for the wintertime, then the first works good. Yes. But anyway, it's going to be all good like that. I want to remind you what victory is all about. It's not that we want to have All kinds of fancy equipment. But we got a lot of people coming to that building to need Jesus. And, you know, I want to remind you about victory. Not only do all of our grandkids and our kids go over there for classes, the youth go over there for classes, but we have a funeral, a lot of times that place gets filled up with 90% lost people. And they get to come into this church, and they're not going to stick around long enough to receive our love if they're not comfortable in there. Same thing for weddings. We do weddings. There's a lot of people coming in there. Most of them aren't church people. They're people need Jesus. So we've got to have a good building for that. And so we're so grateful that God has moved all of us to take care of his building. He's blessed us to do it. Amen. So get that money in, and we'll make sure we're able to pay those people cash and not stretch. One book I want to show you is kind of with our our, our missionary-type theme, this is called He Gave Gifts Unto Men. Gave Gifts Unto Men. It's a great, awesome, wonderful book matter of fact, it came out our first year of full-time ministry in 1992. I was a baby pastor, and I'm so glad Brother Hagin came out this book that year. And I'm going to use some words out of the Bible that probably a lot of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And that's why you need a book like this here. Especially if you're one of these people that even got an inkling in your heart that God may be calling you to be a preacher. Or a preacheress. Whatever you call lady preachers. <laughs> anyway... Apostles, uh, he teaches about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I think he even talks about ministry of helps in here. Most Christians are ministry of helps. They helps the pastors. They helps the preachers. That's called, the Bible calls a ministry of helps. That's called the helps ministry. Most Christians are that. But I'll give you an example, as an apostle like Julius. Even the Niles, they're they're apostle-type people. They go to foreign lands and they start new works. They go to foreign lands and relocate to help people in other countries and do things in strange places. That's what apostles are. A lot of times they're pioneers. Prophets are what Dr. Barclay is, Brother Hagen was, Kenneth Copeland is. There's a lot of prophets in the land, and they're different-type people. God does a lot through them through inspiration. Where God gives them things. They see and know things that most people don't normally see and know. And that's, that's a call in ministry. And then evangelist. An evangelist is not a pastor. An evangelist is not a teacher. An evangelist has a very serious grace and anointing to win the lost. And that's Brian Besser and his family. They're evangelists. And they've got, they've got a great anointing for the lost. And when they come here in a July, the right, July, June, They're going to be here in June. Then they're actually going to have a training day on a Saturday about street outreach and how to effectively minister to the lost. And so that's an evangelist. And then pastors... See, I'm a pastor teacher. Well, all all, all pastors aren't pastor teachers. Some pastors have a prophetic gift. Some pastors have have, have a missions-type gift. Some pastors have an evangelist-type gift. But then some pastors are teachers. And and a, a Bible teacher... Is not a Sunday school teacher. It's not a teacher that teaches like a school teacher. A Bible teacher, like like what I teach, the Word of God, because I'm a pastor, i got two gifts. I'm a pastor and a teacher. What I teach, people that are listening, pretty much I can say that 100% of the people get something from God. He spoke to their heart. Because I don't just teach from the head, but I teach from heart to heart by the Holy Ghost. And anyway, this book teaches those things. I just want to say this. If you feel at all that you might think you're called to ministry, you need to get this book. And you don't just sit down and read it while you're watching TV or while you're doing Facebook. You sit down with your notebook and your Bible and you seriously study this. And this will help you see what your calling is if you really are called. And so those are in the bookstore. Got a lot of them just saw them. But tonight we're going to be talking about Why Missions Part 3. And... Uh, it's closing up the series that I started at the start of April. But I, I, the Holy Ghost wants to stir you tonight. Because whether you know it or not, we're, talk, we're talking about missions for missionaries. But you are a missionary to your family. You are a missionary on your job. How many, how many have heathen in your family? How many have heathen you work with? How many know any heathen in, in the city? Your neighbors, people you are, will see whether you know it or not. Missionaries are people that are sent to people groups. Now, foreign missionaries go to foreign lands to minister to other groups. But every time, I know that when I, when I was a truck driver, I was a truck driver for a lot of years. Don't tell anybody, but I, I, I'm probably a little bit older than what I look. But I was a truck driver, believe it or not, for 28 years. <laughs> and I even get a teacher's pension. But I've been a preacher for lots and lots and lots of years because I was preaching all the time as a truck driver. But then I got out of the truck back in 1993 and then became a uh, full-time preacher. But my thing was, when I was a Christian truck driver, was that I was on a mission field. My truck, I called my truck my semi. I drove 18-wheelers. I drove the biggest, biggest. I called called my, my trailer that I pulled with my tractor I called that my chapel on wheels. And when I backed into a warehouse or a dock, I called that my chapel. And there may have been a sinner pulling that truck the day before, but when I got it, I walked around it and I blessed it and I prayed over it. And I anointed it. And when I backed into a dock and people walked onto my truck, I said, they're walking into this chapel. I'm a holy man of God in here. And they crossed from that dock into this trailer. They're coming into my territory and they're mine. And I cannot tell you how many people I led to Jesus in the back of those trailers. All the time I led people to Jesus. You know why? My pastor taught me that our job was our mission field. And so that's my mission field. And it just so happened I wasn't in one place. I got to go a lot of places. And I t- got to take my chapel with me. And so you need to look at that way. By the way, in training for ministry, I didn't, I didn't call my paycheck my paycheck. I called my paycheck this my offering. preaching the gospel to these people they send me to. I sincerely called my paycheck, my offering, because I saw myself in service for God first before my employer. And you know what? That made me probably the best employee they had, too. Because when I saw I was working for God, I didn't want to steal their time. When I saw I was working for God, I didn't want to badmouth the company. I didn't want to badmouth the boss. I didn't want to badmouth the customers. I didn't want to whine and complain about how horrible this job was. Oh, I, I I gotta get to our gospel, what we got to preach tonight, because that is so terrible. When I hear Christians come to this door for jobs they believe God for, and they come here whining about how horrible the job is. I think, man, can't you see how deceived you are? You prayed that job in, God put you there, and then they say stuff like this, you know, there's not one other Christian on my job I work with. I think, glory to God, man, you're in a mission field. Man, are you anointed? You're at the right place. How are you gonna win souls? If you're working with fifteen other Christians. About yeah. all you're gonna do is stand around all day, and get religious, and steal time and God can get blamed because you stole time talking about the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John chapter three, verse sixteen through eighteen. John chapter three, verse sixteen through eighteen. I want to stir you, I want to talk about why our church is involved with missions and getting more seriously involved all the time. And You've got to know a history of the human race. God created Adam, and then he brought Eve out of Adam, and Adam and Eve had a relationship with God. They were hooked up with God. But then they, they transgressed against God's commandment to them, to eat of the tree of life, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they did, not only did they get in trouble and they become spiritually dead, but they sold out the entire human race because they were the start of the human race. So they, they so they, they separated the whole human race from God. But then Jesus came and he restored the human race. But they've got to know it. If Christians don't tell them, if missionaries don't tell them, then they don't know they've been restored. So anyway, John three sixteen through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And by the way, Jesus was the first missionary. He come from a foreign place called heaven and come to a foreign land called earth to bring the good news. And said, so his son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now look at this. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Do you know where condemned people are today in prison? They're on death row. Condemned men, condemned women go to death row. What this verse says is the entire human race is on death row. They've got a sentence of spiritual death, eternal separation from God on them unless they hear the good news. It says they're condemned already. And see, that, that's why we're going to talk tonight about some basic ways that God works to get the gospel to people. Missionaries, one of them. But because this is a Wednesday night service, we're kind of getting the Christian part of it in here, too. You've got to know that God has a system for getting people off of death row. I was on death row. You were on death row. Until you heard the gospel. Amen? Is that what the Bible says? That that the ones that have received Jesus says are condemned already because they believed not. Because they believed not on what? Uh, believe because not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so uh, this is this is talking about the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news is God sent his only begotten Son that you can believe in Him and receive everlasting life. People need to know that. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, for me, what I've learned over the years, people, it seems like, that have total comfort, that have no problems, people that are good people because they're good moral people anyway, they're just good people, it's hard to reach them with the gospel. But you get the people that are hurting and got something bad going on in life, the down-and-outers, the people that don't have much of anything. It's lot easier to talk to those guys a lot of times. But the thing is, God will draw people by His Spirit, whether the rich or poor, sick or healthy, got it made, live on that side of the tracks or this side of the tracks. When God draws them, Christians have got to recognize that this person crossed by a path and this is an open door. Amen. And so anyway, uh, the the, gospel is good news. And so every human being knows in their heart of hearts there's more to life than what they see. I don't know about you, but I know back in 1979, that's where I was. Back in 1979, life wasn't bad. Life was okay. I just all of a sudden in 1979, I just got tired of smoking. You know, I tried to quit smoking before, but just all of a sudden I thought, man, what am I smoking these things for? I just quit. And then just a short while later, I got tired of drinking beer. So I got rid of Miller. I said, Mr. Miller, you're out of here. No beer. I, I was, something was happening with me, and I didn't know it was God drawing me. I just all of a sudden, smoking wasn't good. Drinking wasn't good. Nothing seemed good. And then some guy invited me to a Baptist church. I went to a Baptist church. And I kind of knew something was going on. And then by the time December 1979 came along, I, know I had to find God, so I started going to church. But God began to draw me, and we as believers have got to recognize that sometimes in our families and in our uh, workplace, there's people that you thought was the farthest away from God of anybody ever being in the whole world, but God's drawing them. And you can't look at them how you used to. When God draws them, you've got to recognize it's time to open your mouth and not be afraid of what you see. You don't have a lot of time to do a lot of stories, but I remember after I saved for about a year or two, I was leading everybody in my truck doctor to work, I, to Jesus. I mean, people in the office, I remember, uh, Baptist lady in the office, I walked in there, I remember talking to her about tongues, got all these other lost secretaries and bosses in the office in there, and I was in there late laid hands on this Baptist lady right in the middle of the office. And she started speaking in tongues, threw her hands up, speaking in tongues, glory to God. Out of the doctor, I was leading people to the Lord. But anyway, I said that to get to this point. Had this one guy that I'm sure he was born again. Everybody knew he was religious, but he was born again. Just didn't say a whole lot. But I shared with him one day. I led a guy to the Lord out of the dock. There walked in there, and I, and I, 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 I said, "Hey, you know what? So and so just received Jesus." He said, "Well, did you baptize him?" I looked at this religious nut and I said, "Baptize him in the no water on the dock." He said, "You got to get him baptized." I said, "Well, you got to get him saved first. He just got saved." Like that. And then, then the guy challenged me and said, How do you know you're saved? He said, I didn't think you could ever get saved. And I said, Well, I said, You never witnessed to me. He said, Well, you're too mean. I said, Well, what mean is Paul? I said, Paul killed Christians. I never killed any. <laughs> and so this guy was looking at me from the outside because I went through a bad period of life, the bad divorce, a lot of things. And I was mean to everybody. I was meaner in a junkyard dog, man. I just, I started stuff and just, I mean, I was really rotten and mean. So that guy looked at a hurting man and he judged me because I was hurting and lashing out. When if somebody would have reached out to me while I was hurting like that with the gospel, chances are I got saved a lot sooner. And so what I'm telling you, I learned from my life and other people I I used to minister to, the meaner they were a lot of times is the more softer they were on the inside too they ready for some good news besides somebody telling them who the best lawyers were, how to kill somebody and not get caught, and all those kind of things. Well, see, that's what most people tell people that are hurting. But if somebody just says, you know what, I want to tell you something, Bernie. I've been praying for you. My wife and I have been praying for you. Is there a chance you'd go to church with us Sunday? If somebody told me that, I'd have went. Because some Baptist guy that didn't even know me, a customer, invited me to church and I went. I had a death sentence on me, and I didn't even know it. But praise God, I came off a death row. How about you? Amen. Amen. And so missionaries have a calling to the lost, but so do we. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 21. I want to show you some things, kind of how the world was and how the world is. And I I think this thing that we're going to look at applies today, I think, maybe... (laughs) Probably on steroids for what it was back then with the internet and social media we have today. But Acts 17 verse 21 says this. For all the Athenians and strangers or foreigners which were there spent their time with nothing else <clears throat> but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Doesn't that sound like social media and Google and everything going on? Everybody's wanting to learn the latest Want to find out what's going on? Well, back then, this just a few people would gather in the city square, or a few people get together and talk, just gossiping, and the breeze, trying to find out what they know about this, who they hear about that. Well, doesn't that sound like today on steroids? That's all that's going on, and we'll see. That's what the world does. That's where they're at. All that they do, all that they do, is talk and to search. But then, notice verse twenty-two and twenty-three. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, or uh, other translates say religious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Well, that's talking about the God that was the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. They talk about all these other gods, but they didn't know this God. He said, To the unknown God, He said, who therefore you eagerly worship, him I declare unto you. People are looking for answers. They're searching. They're looking. And there's so many false religions and other things that people are voted to and serve, they don't even realize. They're wanting something. They're craving something. The people of the world today and all these nations. You know, Julius is going to be here. He's going to be here in July, right? Uh. How many here have experienced Julius? Most of you have. Julius is, hes, he's he got, he got, he'd become a citizen of America about three or four years ago or five, which time flies. But he's also a citizen of India. That's where he's born at. That's where he's from. He's from India. He's got lots of churches. Uh, got a great big Bible school over there. Or Bible school, it's a Christian school for kids in India, which when you're a nation like India, that's quite a feat to have a Christian school. But anyway, I asked this, that. You know, maybe, I, I'm just asking somebody to tell me because I don't remember. How many gods did Julie say they got in India? How many? 300 some million gods in India. He'll tell you when he gets there. He, he lives there. He's a preacher, and I don't think he'd lie in church. Those numbers are unbelievable. But you know, the way I understand it with the Hindu religion and things over there, you can't step on a bug. It might be Grandma. It reincarnated as a bug. you dare not eat the cow. That might be Uncle Bill. They got cobras. Kill people. They can't kill them. That might be Aunt Susie. You don't know. I mean, everything over there is a god. They worship everything. That's everything. And so he's a missionary over there for the unknown god. But what I tell you is like these guys here, they had all their gods. And today in America... How many gods do the Americans worship today? So many different gods, so many things going on. And the world's under a death sentence. That's why missions and really that's why you have your job. That's why you're in the neighborhood you're in. That's why you're in the family you're in. Mrs. Pastor and I began to recognize something years ago as pastors, that and we see that we've seen it in Indiana and we've seen it here. God will save a person in a family that's been a heathen family, and that person becomes a beacon of light that whole family draws them all in. Look at Heather right there. I'd be mad. Heather, Heather drew them all in. Heard her sister as youth received Jesus. Next thing you know, here they all come in, and then got some heathen boy named Jose come snipping around and thought, man, she smells good. She looks good. Now he's in bringing his family in. Amen. (laughs) Amen. We're glad they're here. What I'm saying is this. In your family, don't feel bad if there's no other Christians in your family. Feel glad. Be glad that God chose you to be the first. And you've got the gospel. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stick out like a hilltop. I remember back years ago. Oh, i got some good verses i got to get to. But I remember years ago, my family started these family reunions. I mean, a long time ago, back in Indiana, probably 30 years ago. Family reunions, and my whole family was heathen. The only, family my, the only one in my family I knew as a Christian was my Baptist grandma, and she's the one who took me to church a little But Grandma was getting old, and so they wanted to have family reunions before Grandma died, so we'd all go. But the thing about it, there's all sinners, so they chose to have them on Sunday. So I couldn't go, and so they wouldn't know. Why don't you come to family reunions? I said Sunday's my only church day. I said that's the day I go take care of my business. I said what's wrong with Saturday? I said have it on Saturday. I said what we'll have it on Sunday? I said Sunday's my day for Jesus. And you know I ended up getting to lead most of my family to Jesus because I, I didn't compromise. Why would I want to go around people? They'll be drinking beer and hanging out on a Sunday and walk away from Jesus. And then you know what I'm doing? I'm lowering my standard to their standard and how they're going to come up to my standard if I come down to theirs. And I didn't, I didn't stay away from those things to show how religious I was. I was convicted in my heart. I was sinners five days a week. And if I'm going to go back and hang around sinners again for five more days, I better go in. And let my pastor speak something into my heart to give me faith. I better go in and get washed in the anointing to get this filth of last week off of me. So i got something to face another week. Or if I if I would have violated my principles to come down and do other things, the chances are next February reunion i will be there too. i say, hey man, who got the beer? Hey man. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good because some of you have been there. <laughs> Amen. And so, these people, on the inside, they were craving to know who the real God was. And I want to tell you, the people of the world today, the people in your world, in your family, on your job, the people of these nations that these missionaries go to, they're craving to know who's the real God. And so we as Christians... Have to make sure, now listen, I'm going to tell you something. Now listen to what I'm going to say real close. Don't get so caught up in the trash and garbage on the internet that you think you have to keep up their conversation. If all you feed on is what they feed on, how are you ever going to inject Jesus into the conversation? Amen. It's not wrong to know what's going on in the world, but Jesus said, For The abundance of the heart, the mouth, speaketh. i tell you, the times we live in, you've got to be very, very cautious how much news you watch about the politics right now. We're not going to help change people or our nation if all we talk is dirty politics. It's nice to know what's going on so we can pray, but you need to have enough Jesus in you that when you're talking to people, you need to have your spiritual antenna up, listening for an opening. That just be all the time you're talking on the inside, you should be praying. It said, Jesus, show me when. Lord, show me if there's an opening. Sometimes you don't get one. If you do, at least you didn't speak garbage. But then if there is one and you're ready, then when the door opens, you know it's time to step through. Amen? Because they're craving and they're hungry for things. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1. Verse 14 to 16. And the, these verses here, to me, they describe the heart of a missionary. And to me, they describe the heart of a very serious Christian. If you're a serious Christian, these verses are talking about your heart, how you feel about life and people. And if you don't feel this way, then you need to Pray. And ask God to give you a heart for the lost people around you. For the hurting people in your family. Romans one fourteen to 16. Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. He said, I'm, I'm a debtor to the college graduates, to the high school dropouts. He said, I'm a debt to them. So as much as in me is... As much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And I know that that's the way I felt my whole Christian life that when I knew that I was going to get to meet up with some family I hadn't seen for a long time that wasn't saved, I knew I was going to get to meet some people from somebody else's family, might be to dinner or something going on that wasn't saved some function on the inside of me. So much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. And by preaching the gospel, I'm not talking about preaching like this. I'm talking about as we're sitting around the dinner table, and we're at the graduation party, wherever we're at, my antenna's up, just thinking. Man, I got, I'm just finding out. Is there something here I can share? Is there something I can say? Is there some testimony I can share in here? that I get something about Jesus in here. And that's what Paul said. I'm a debtor to the human race. God saved me, and I want to repay my debt. I want to get this good news to somebody else. I want to share what He did for me so they can get what I've got. Amen. Amen. He said, so as much as him is ready to preach the gospel to you too, he said, verse 16, for I am very ashamed to talk about Jesus. I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about my church. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to let my job people know I like to get off tonight because I'm going, I'm going to a Bible study. Uh, I, 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 I'm kind of embarrassed to tell them uh, I can't be there Sunday night because we're having a church picnic. Don't ever be embarrassed about the things of Jesus. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now look at this. You need to know this. The gospel of Christ, the Word of God, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And that power of God is salvation, you have to know what the salvation means. And that salvation, it includes being born again. That's the beginning of salvation. It comes the Greek word soteria. That means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. It says the gospel of Christ is the power of God to deliverance. Bring me the addict. Pray me the alcoholic. Let me pray over them, get the power of God released. I'll get them set free, but if they don't come back to get filled up, they'll go back to the pit. But I can get it off of them. The gospel will get it off of them. I can't tell you how many people in this church, the 14 years I've been here, I've seen set free from drugs, alcoholism, sexual perversion, and other things, come in here worshiping God, praising God on their faces, thanking Jesus. But they'll walk away from it. And next thing you hear, they're back in the gutter again, doing the same things again. Because they didn't stay free because they didn't choose it. But I can get it off of them with the power of God through the gospel. You, you share the gospel. And the power of God's in the gospel. That's something we have to understand as believers. Jesus confirms his word. It's not us. It's Jesus through us. He needs us. But when we speak, he moves. We lay hands, he heals. We tell the devil in the name of Jesus, I break your power off this man. I break your power off this woman in the name of Jesus. Jesus moves, but then it's up to the person what they're going to do with it. Now that's that's something you've all got to know as believers, as missionaries to your families on your job. You can get these people free, but they're responsible for what they do about it. Does your Bible say that the gospel is the power of God? That's salvation. Is that what it says? Yes. Amen. Amen. And so that's the heart of a missionary to know where the gospel is. Now, I, want to, I want to close in Romans chapter 10 because I want you to see how this works and why we're so serious about missions, about our own local missions. And I want to say this. How many believe in what the Bible calls the law, of, law of seed time and harvest. What you sow is what you reap. That goes for individuals. That goes for churches. Now, how many do know that that missionary anointing gets people delivered, gets people saved? Well, as we sow as a church corporately, as we're together and we do these pledge cards and offerings and things we do, this is a whole church looking up to heaven to Jesus and saying, Jesus. We want to do great things to assist you in taking the gospel to hurting people around the world. Well, those missionaries have an anointing to win the lost. They have an anointing to get people delivered and healed at miracles. Well, as we sow that anointing, then that anointing comes into this church. And as we participate with that, we have that missionary anointing not only in this church, but we take it with us to our jobs. We take it with it to our families everywhere we go because it's the law of seed, time, and harvest. What you sow is what you reap. And do you understand what I'm saying? Why my heart is in this number one because I know that heaven's real. I've never been there, but I know the one that lives there lives in me. And in my heart, I know when the Bible says it's real. In my heart, when Jesus says I prepare a mansion for you. In the Bible, when it says there's streets of gold, River of life, throne of God, I know it's real. Amen. And also, then, because my same Bible tells me that hell's real, I know it's real. Right. And then, because the Bible talks about eternal salvation, and then the same Bible says eternal damnation. Well, that tells me there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, eternity's forever, and I don't have any worst enemies. But if I had a worst enemy, I wouldn't want him to ever go to hell. I would never, ever, 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 ever tell a person to go to hell. I would never, ever think, boy, I wish they'd go to hell. I'd never think that. Because when I see in the Bible how good heaven is, hell's just the opposite on the other side, extremely horrible. And so that's why I have a heart to share the gospel. That's why I want to be a part of missions so God can bless this church with that anointing and all we need to win this region because we live here. Romans chapter 10, I wanted to hit this real quick. and show you something. Verse 12, Romans 10, verse 12. says, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, saying, Lord over all is rich and all that call upon him. Well, the Jew and Greek is taught by two different races, two different ethnic groups. I want to tell you something right now. You're never, ever, ever going to be pleasing to Jesus if you look at earth suits. What he's saying right here, there's no difference between Mexican... African American, Caucasian, Asian, whatever else there is, I don't know what there is. He said there's no difference, says the same Lord is rich over all to all. And so I train myself as a baby Christian. I went a step further, Galatians 3.28 says neither male nor female. I train myself, but I look at people not to see man or woman, not to see black or white or any other thing. But to look through their eyes into their soul and see on the inside, are they saved? Are they unsaved? You got to train yourself that way. And you know, it would probably be good to get away from the racial jokes, the racial talk all the time. Because if you're hanging around people like that that do those kind of things and all the time making fun of people because of their race or something like that there, how are you ever going to win them to the Lord? Amen. And so, uh, verse verse uh, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so people must ask Jesus into their heart to be saved. And verse 14, though, tells us the key, critical, must in every situation. Three things set people up to get saved. This is for missionaries. This is for people locally. It says they've got to they call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But how how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? How shall they believe whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? So get this now. Here's three things in God's system of salvation. Number one, how shall they hear without a preacher? Sinners, lost people, need to hear the gospel preached. Either by a preacher or by a believer. says how are they going to call if they don't know who to call on? And so we have got to share Jesus with people so they'll know. Missionaries got to share Jesus in the foreign lands. And so sinners and lost people need to hear the gospel. Number two, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? When the lost hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can to believe in Jesus Christ. They've got to hear so they know who to believe in. And then shall they call on him and who they have not believed. Once the lost hear the gospel preached, they have faith to believe. Because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Then they can hear about Jesus and ask him into their heart. And so this is why missions. This is why Christians work on jobs with no other Christians. This is why Christians have family members come to them for help. Because we have the answers. They've got to hear. If we don't tell them, They don't know. If they don't know, they can't believe. If they can't believe, they can't ask. If they don't ask, they don't receive. So we do this together. So anyway, here's the closer. Jesus calls, anoints, and sends missionaries and uses people to pay for it. Jesus does the calling. He does the equipping. He does the sending. But then God uses his people to support it and make it happen. And so when we're serious about missions, then God's going to be very serious about our church, what God wants to do. So anyway, Liz Adana Nile is going to be here this Sunday, uh, Friday night. Liz, if you guys experienced her last year, she's a mighty woman of God, awesome people. Uh, you know, if all that Sri Lanka stuff just happened, I cannot imagine that they were there three weeks ago, right in that same city. Maybe those churches, I don't know, same place there. But people come here like that. They don't just come here because I want to hear their good stories. It's nice to know what's going on. But I want to receive an impartation from them. And then I want to be a big blessing to them and send them away for a good offering for coming here. Help them do what they do because when they leave, they still got houses. I mean, the house, you know, missionaries have houses, missionaries. But they've got things to take care of. And so God uses church to support those people, so they got a house to come back to when they come back, etc. So that's why missions, glad to be a part of it, that we can stand up. And if you're sad, don't clap or anything, but if you're happy, then clap or something. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.